Have you ever dropped your bike while doing a slow speed maneuver, like turning around or maybe going around an obstacle? Of course you have. We all have. The question is, what do you have to do to stop dropping it or at least reduce the frequency of it happening? Because it can be really frustrating, even disheartening to have it happen time and again. And often what happens is you end up avoiding rides or areas or spots where you have to ride slow and go around some sort of obstacle, like turning around or things like this. And it's, it's uncomfortable and it will also limit where you can go. And why is it that you look at some riders and they seem to have no trouble doing it at all? Well, according to Chief Instructor Clinton Smout, it comes down to four key fundamental points. And if you work on each one individually, they will eventually become a collective skill that will put you in the category of that rider that rarely drops their bike. I mean, you're still going to drop it occasionally, even the best riders do, but it will be less frequent the more you work on these four key points. Today on Adventure Rider Radio's exclusive rider skills program, how to stop dropping your bike. I'm Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. Stay with us. We got a good one for you. It's wind pressure that powers the Moto Breeze chain oiler. No electrical or vacuum connections. It delivers the oil to a felt pad on your swing arm. No nozzles near your sprockets. One ounce of oil gets a thousand miles or 1600 kilometers. Get more miles from your chain and sprockets. Motobreeze.com. Best Rest Product is the maker of the Cycle Pump, the best tire inflator for motorcyclists. It'll inflate your flat tire in less than three minutes. Made in the USA, comes with a lifetime warranty. They also distribute Googletech filters, cyclepump.com. And Green Chili Adventure Gear offers American-made heavy-duty luggage systems for all types of motorcycles. You can turn any dry bag into luggage using their strapping system. And of course, Green Chili Adventure Gear is tested in extreme weather and terrain to withstand the abuse that adventure riding gives it. Tough, reliable gear, greenchiliadv.com. Rider Skills is an exclusive program we developed here at Adventure Rider Radio designed to give you the tools that can improve your riding skills both on and off-road. Now, of course, these segments are not meant to be a substitute for professional training. These are ideas and concepts that should you choose to try, you're doing so at your own risk. If you've ridden off pavement much, you've likely experienced the slow speed drop. Street riders, although less common, also experience the slow speed drop, which on a street bike can be devastating when things start to break off. For adventure riders, it's more common because our bikes are taller with a higher center of gravity combined with we're riding dirt, gravel, mud, uneven surfaces, obstacles, and it can be annoying. It can be frustrating. It can be embarrassing. So the question is, why do we fall over and how do we reduce the frequency in which we do? Well, that's what Clinton Smout is teaching us today. Now, keep in mind, learning these four key points that he's going to teach us, even after you master them, it's not like you'll never drop a bike again. Even top riders drop their adventure bikes. That's why those top riders have crash bars and bar guards, bark busters. But if you do learn and practice these four key points, then you're soon going to find yourself in that elite group of riders that rarely drop their bikes. Clinton, welcome back to Adventure Rider Radio. 
Hi, Jim. Great to be back. Good to have you back again. And 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 we're we're almost in snow now, so you're into the snowmobile season, your snowmobile season. Yes. We just started riding yesterday, training some people that work at the ski resort. So they were certified. You know, how do you get a snowmobile unstuck? How do you stop going down a really steep, icy hill? That kind of stuff. So I'm riding, but it's not on wheels. Mm. So it's probably a real thrill to sit down and talk about this now. We're talking about two wheels again, which is your true passion. Exactly. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Well, our topic today for rider skills is how to stop falling over, particularly at low speeds. Well, low speeds, slow speeds rather, is what we're talking about here. And I think it's easy to imagine that you can handle a motorcycle well because you feel comfortable after you gain speed. One of the telltale signs is someone who drags their feet when they're pulling away. And and you often see it pull out of a parking lot. They'll drag their, not drag them, but maybe just above the asphalt and they pull it onto the road and they still got them there. And only as they really get going down the road, you see their feet slowly come up and on the pegs and in reverse when they're slowing down. You can almost, at least in my mind, I can almost see their apprehension about slowing down when they come in, when those feet come out, almost like little, uh, um, supports. Outriggers. You know, outriggers. Yes. That's what I was trying to yeah. think of. Outriggers. And when it comes to adventure bikes, of course, the slow speed drop is very, very common. Yeah, it sure is. Especially riding any sort of dirt. But I would argue this would apply with all riders. I think you're fooling yourself. And I'd like to hear your take on it. But I, th- I think you're fooling yourself if you think that you can handle a bike just because you can ride it down a road fast. Yeah. I think if we go back to when we rode bicycles, How many of us could ride a bicycle with no hands? Mm -hmm. I think most people do. I see kids still doing it all the time. My kids would ride around town with no hands on the bars. The reason we can do it is the two big round wheels, and I don't want to use big physics words because I don't even know how to spell them, but gyroscopic precession, that rolling mass, those round things turning, once they get to a certain RPM, they want to stay there. It's kind of like a spinning top. I don't know if you had one as a kid, but you pulled this thing and the top would spin like crazy, perfectly straight up and down until it lost revolution speed and then it would wobble and finally stall. Right. Our bikes, a bicycle is exactly the same. So if you got up to 20 miles an hour on your motorcycle and just for whatever crazy reason, jumped straight up in the air off of the bike, it would go perfectly straight until it lost momentum and wheel revolution. Then it would wobble and fall. So as our motorcycles slow down, it loses that inherent physics that wants to keep it upright. So the rider has to have more input on keeping it balanced. And I see a lot of people, street riders, dirt riders, sitting down with their feet hovering above the pavement or gravel. And if, if you think of it, it makes sense. They're apprehensive of tipping over because they know tipping over is going to hurt, damage their bike, damage their leg or ankle. Maybe it's happened before. So it makes sense that they think they're trying to prevent that happening by the outriggers. The canoe with the outrigger prevents the canoe from tipping in choppy water. Mm -hmm. That's what they're trying to do. But um, a good rider, it's, in my opinion, it's a sign of a weak rider, weak skills. But as soon as they get their speed up, the landing gear, their boots come up. 
back mm-hmm. onto the peg. So our goal is to train new riders and experienced riders on being able to ride slowly in control, both feet on the pegs. But what you're saying there when you're talking about that is that's a, a false conception they have that they think they're going to save the bike by dragging their feet. Yeah, if you lose balance and you could put your foot down to stop the bike tipping, that's great. But sometimes there's too much tip angle where the mass of the motorcycle is falling over to the right. It's not too smart to have your foot there, especially if you don't have a really good solid ankle support boot. Mm -hmm. Many ankle injuries, knee and leg injuries are caused Because the little trooper, the rider, they fight it. You're not going to crash. I'm going to hold you up. No, you're not. It's a great (laughs) big motorcycle. So we teach little kids when they're first learning how to ride. If they get in a sandy area and they instinctively chop the throttle off, that bike's going to tip over. So we tell them, if you're about to fall, kick the leg up like you're kicking a soccer ball. And we want their foot out of the way. So when that bike tips over, they're not trapped underneath it. I guess the exception, just as you're saying this, because it made me think of it, is the flat track rider. Yeah. Yeah, what they're doing, their foot, and I did a little bit of speedway, uh, a speedway course at a school. So your left boot has a steel plate on it. It's like a steel boot underneath your boot. It's strapped on. So if your left foot is on the ground, sliding on the gravel, you can turn the handlebars full lock to pointing the front wheel to the right. But under aggressive throttle turning, the back wheel will break traction and it drifts to the right. So speedway or flat track riding is the purest example of counter steering that there is. Because your front wheel is pointing to the right, but they only turn left. So that foot acts as a pivot point. Now, as they come up out of the corner, there is a point when they're still tipped over, they pick that foot up and crouch down. So it isn't, it's for balance, but it's so they can get the back end completely sideways. It's fascinating to watch on YouTube. Flat track or speedway is very big in Europe. 500cc, two stroke, very limited clutch, one gear, uh, methyl alcohol. And those things are the fastest accelerating motorcycle coming off the line. There'll be a string. And four or five of them wait for the hand of the starter. And then the string moves out of the way. And it's incredibly hard to keep the front wheel on the ground when those things hit. I've only tried it on an old, it was called um, a Jap, a J.A. Presswick, a a British old two-stroke made in the early 60s, I believe. Constant loss oil system, methyl alcohol. And it's the fastest thing I've ever ridden in a short distance. It'll just pull your arms off. Really? (laughs) But really fun. But we're getting away from balance. Sorry, Jim. No, it's okay. And I was just going to say, you're not going to teach us that method, are you? The the flat track method today? Is that what we're talking about? 
well, it's a bit more advanced. <laughs> and I only took the course as a student. Right. I certainly, I'm, I'm not the instructor of it. The adventure bike may not be the best bike no. to use for something like that, for doing a continuous power yeah. slide around a corner. But, uh, but okay, so, so getting back to our dropping the bike at slow speed, let's begin with the, the ways that we do fall at slow speeds. Yeah. Let's start right from the top. I guess that would be loss of balance. Definitely, because uh, it slows right down. If it starts to tip a little bit and we put a foot down, think of, of initially if you were trying to just walk a straight line, kind of like a sobriety test, but you're sober. You'd be best to walk that straight line if your eyes were up looking at the horizon or past the end of the line. If you look down by your boots, it's very hard to walk in a straight line. Then imagine if we clipped a 50-pound bag of gravel to the side of your pants, the right-hand side, then try to walk in a straight line. Very hard to balance. So that's what happens on our motorcycles when we're going really slowly. If we're trying to go straight, our speed drops down. Our brain says, you know what? I better put my right foot out. Well, that's 50, 60, 70 pounds, your leg. That makes the bike unbalanced unless you compensate. So you kind of kind of lean your butt a bit to the left as your right leg comes out. So you're still balanced on the bike. And with all of the, what we're talking about, that's kind of the root of it, isn't it? Yes, I think riding slowly, and it's usually as we're starting off or you're coming into a stop, that's when our speed drops and it gets a little wobbly. That's when most people tip over. Right. So what are the other types of drops that that you see? Well, there's lots of causes of that lack of balance, but if people are pavement riders and then they come to the dirt, if they use the front brake a little too aggressively, the front suspension dives down. It doesn't dive down perfectly straight sometimes if you're leaning a little, and it doesn't come back, rebound on the suspension perfectly upright. That in itself, the front suspension dive, can create a loss of balance and a tip over. Mm. So uh, too aggressive with the front brake can cause problems. You know, if you use aggressive rear brake and your ABS is off, it just skids a little. It locks up the rear wheel. It usually doesn't cause that same prevalence of falling over that front brake does. Another one would be turning. When, when you're turning around, not coordinating the clutch, and, and of course, balance with that, right? Yes. A lot of people stall their bike because of poor clutch control. So at 10 miles an hour, you have the clutch completely out. You're at idle or just above idle. You could probably balance. Slow that bike down to five miles an hour or less. It's going to start chugging unless it's an automatic. If you have a left-hand clutch, you're going to have to slip it in, take some of the power away from the back wheel, and then that reduces chugging. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have good clutch control, you don't smooth out the power delivery at low revs, low speed, the bike could actually stall out. And that is a big causation of falling. Um, in competitions, the 
I see or I'm marking in trials or GS challenges. The person's left hand is nowhere near the clutch. They try to go over an obstacle, stall, which is a fall. They're turning and they stall. And that's even more prevalent. And that's really immediate too. I mean, there's no, like it happens just like you flipped a switch. The moment it stalls, you've lost momentum with your motorcycle and then it just slams to the ground. Yeah, it's pretty hard to stop the fall from that point because the momentum, it just drops. Mm -hmm. I was going to say stalling as another one, but yeah, and you brought it into that one. The other one I was going to mention was slipping, in particular the front wheel. You know, you're doing a slow speed turn, you maybe go over a route or something, and the front wheel slips out, and again, that, that will be a drop. Yes. So in a GS challenge, we'll set up uh, stakes with tape. So there's a little corridor zigging and zagging across gravel, sand, hills, and you can't break the barrier tape. So I'll make a 90-degree demand of a turn in a very short order. So the the bike has to be at full lock. And we're penalizing people if they put a foot down for balance. Because a foot down, we call it a dab, that's illustrative of a lack of balance. So you can't win best rider of the day if you have 25 foot dabs. Because mm. a better rider was the person who negotiated these tough obstacles and trails without foot dabbing. So the part that really makes even the experts fall is a sandy 90 degree turn because it's not like pavement. So you start your turn to the right, the front wheel will dig a little burrow and the front wheel will slide out to the left. And that's very hard to control. So you're right. Traction loss because of mud, wet grass, sand. Let me think of the other times I've crashed. Gravel, snow, that will cause you to fall where the front wheel slides out or over braking with ABS off. And, and of course, it's all balance. It's all losing your balance. So balance is that, that core connection to all of it. Obviously, all of these are to do with balance. So in other words, I think what I'm trying to say is like, if you stalled it, it was the stall that did it. Yes, you lost your balance and went down, but it was the stalling that you want to work on, not necessarily your balance in that case. If yes. you were, if the front wheel slipped out, that was maybe the traction or probably the way you're, you're standing on the bike, but I know you'll get into that and you did lose your balance because you went down, but it was the slip. And if you could manage the slip. So let's look at those and, you know, sort of one at a time. Can we do that? Sure. Okay. Yeah, so, so let's great. start with balance. Balance being the the core of all of this, how do we improve our balance both on and off the bike? Uh, one of the lessons that we do for uh, a big adventure bike riders is have them try to, I think we talked about this in another segment, kind of slow speed control riding. Straight line initially with good traction. So a grass field or gravel parking lot will set up something flat and straight so hunks of carpet pieces of wood and we ask the participant to ride between the two pieces of wood long and straight you know 15 yards or so mm -hmm. and the object or the goal is not to touch the pieces of wood with your wheels 
And the people that do that initially, it's because they're looking down at the wood, their balance is all out of whack, and they're riding up onto the wood. So one of the secrets is eyes up. It's probably the most common coaching tip that instructors in motorcycle classes tell people is eyes up. Because if you look down, you probably go down, but you can't go where you want if you're looking at the ground. Mm -hmm. So your uh, lower vision or peripheral vision sees the wood or the pylon or the ditch, but the center of your eyeball has to be up and looking more horizon-like at the end of the wood that you want to get to. So having your eyes up is absolute key. The other thing we talk about that really helps balance is peg weighting. So if you're standing and you feel the bike wobbling or maneuvering a bit to the left, without handlebar input, if you simply lean a little body weight onto your right foot peg, it brings the back bike back to center. So it's a constant adjustment in your toes for good straight line control. Or even if it isn't straight, you can steer the bike around obstacles with peg steering. So eyes up and peg steering are two components to be able to ride slowly without losing your balance. Another one, and do we talk about sober? You should be sober. It's way oh, easier not to wobble. No, thank yeah, you, just in case. That's, that's great. I'm glad you added that in there. After the ride, <laughs> a celebratory <laughs> pop. But um, the key one we just talked about briefly, Jim, is when our speed drops down and our clutch is all the way out, your motorcycle's not happy because mm -hmm. it doesn't, it'll start chugging. So we've got to slip the clutch in, which does not hurt your clutch. I know your dad told you that, but it's not going to hurt a motorcycle clutch unless you have the brake on at the same time or you're revving the daylights out of it to try to get it unstuck. But normal riding, slipping the clutch is just a secondary way to adjust the power going to your rear wheel. And it's a better way to adjust it than your right hand moving the throttle on and off. Those three things are absolute key for slow speed balance. Your eyes up, peg steering, and slipping the clutch. We're going to take a quick break. I've got three things that I want to tell you about very quickly. But when we come back, we're going to get more into it and Clinton's going to end up leaving you some exercises, some of which you can do in your garage. So if you're in a place where you're not riding your bike for a while, you can, if you can access your bike, if you can just walk up to it, you can still build a skill. Stay with us. Moto Camp Nerd. It's a store that specializes in motorcycle camping gear. I mean specializes. Ben and Mary Williams in North Carolina say that everything they stock in the store is all about motorcycle camping. They pick it for durability, size, like packing size, and weight. Every item. 
They look at it. So when you're talking with MotoCamp Nerd, you know you're dealing with someone who understands motorcycle camping. So you don't have to hesitate. I mean, if you've ever been into an outdoor store and asked them about something for motorcycle camping, you, you if you're like me, you just get met with a blank stare. They don't get it. That's what MotoCamp Nerd is all about specifically catering to us motorcycle campers. They've got a brick and mortar store. You can walk right into their store, but you can also order online. The website is motocampnerd.com. Anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. Oh, by the way, that walk-in store is in Archdale, North Carolina. So anyway, make sure you mention to them you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio, motocampnerd.com. Giant Loop believes lighter and simpler is better, and how and where we ride shouldn't be dictated by what's strapped onto our motorcycles. Riding is just plain more fun when unnecessary weight and bulk are removed. Sound thought process, I think. Giant Loop eliminates elements focusing on what's needed to serve the product's mission. No extra straps, no extra buckles. Instead, each product is purpose-built to enhance the riding experience for those who want modular, customizable packing systems that's durable, stable, intuitive, and lightweight. Giant Loop Moto is the website. Anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. GiantLoopMoto.com Peg weighting is part of controlling your bike. And to peg weight properly, you need a proper place to put your foot. And that comes in a quality foot peg. IMS Products makes a full line of adventure motorcycle foot pegs designed for exactly the way you ride. IMSproducts.com is the website. Anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. IMSproducts.com Now, I know when I've seen videos of you just doing anything on a bike, I've seen you get on and off the bike. And it's a little nuance that, that I, I picked up on was that how you make the bike look like it's weightless. It doesn't say these big bikes you're getting on and off for, to me, they're very heavy. And when I see you getting on and off them, they appear to be, at least the way you do handle them, they to appear to be very light. As I told you earlier, before we started doing this, I spent a lot of time practicing just every time I walked by my bike, balancing it, the, the balancing that you teach everyone to do, you know, early on in the classes, that's where you balance the bike by walking around it and then lightly touching the bike. What surprised me with that is by putting in some hours of, of doing that, of how that helped me while I was on the bike. I, I became more attuned to the, the balance point of the motorcycle. And I'm talking very finite where I can balance it, you know, with just barely touching it, even take my hands off it for a few seconds and, and stand there with the bike beside me, not dug into the sand or anything, but balanced and then put my fingers back on. And I realized that that's what you've got. When I see you handling the bike, you've got this sense of balance off the bike that I'm sure helps when we're riding. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. And thanks for the compliment. Certainly not mentally balanced, but riding. No, I, I, Clinton, I was not saying that at all. Please don't take it that way. <laughs> but uh, riding I am. And I think it stems from, I was this little skinny kid with a big bike. I had to be balanced because it's going to drop like a rock if it gets out of shape, if it gets away from me. So I think a good horseback rider, a good motorcycle rider you watch them, it, and I'm not saying I'm that guy, but you watch some people ride. They're at one with the vehicle. And balance is a big part of that as well. Right. So you watch people push their motorcycle, and they can barely do it. And it's not a lack of strength. It's a lack of balance. I have to push motorcycles all the time. 
and uh, being in balance with it really helps. So I applaud you going out and practicing. Like you don't need a helmet uh, for those of us in north of 40, it's snowing out. You can't really ride, but the bike's in the garage. That's a simple little thing you could do is just stand beside it and the bike stays where it is, kickstands up, and you walk around the motorcycle holding onto it with just two fingers. If you can do that, you've got good spatial awareness of the bike and its lean angle. So, and that's something we do with customers at the BMW course is hold it just by the windshield, two fingers, and then let go and grab it somewhere else, but only with two fingers and walk all the way around the bike. Mm-hmm. And and that um, will really help you pushing the bike, standing beside it, getting on and off. It all comes back to balance. What I did is just every time I walked by my bike, I would stand it up. I wouldn't even bother with the kickstand. Leave it right where it is. I wouldn't even unlock the steering a lot of times if the steering was locked over. It was just a matter of pulling the bike up to straight and stand there, spend you know three, four, five minutes balancing the bike, moving around the bike. And I was really surprised how that helped me, how that increased my uh, my ability to balance the bike. Yes. Yeah, really. I think one of the best examples, and folks can look it up on YouTube, there was a stunt woman in California, and this is 30 years ago. She rides up on a TY250 Yamaha. It's an old trials bike, so it has a seat. She's standing up, shuts the bike off, and then does a handstand on the bike. No kickstand. Wow. And talk talk about balance. It's unbelievable. Then she goes out of the handstand, foot pegs, or feet back to the foot pegs, opens up the kickstarter with her right foot, starts it, and rides away. And it'll blow your mind. Like, unbelievable skill. Every time I think and, I'm getting the hang of things, Clinton, you give me something else to do here. So, so I've got to yeah, get the handstand first. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty that's impressive. That's a future episode. Let's not get into that one here. Yeah, that, we'll, we'll that do might that. be advanced, advanced skill <laughs> The advanced, training. advanced skill. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay, so we were talking about, so balance, um, that, that's obviously huge. Now, turning was another one that we talked about yes. as far as the problem. So talk about turning and, and what we can do to become better at our turning at slow speed. Well, it. The problems we seem to have is when the speed drops down, you know, almost walking type speed. Because, of course, at higher speeds, you can go on an on-ramp and lean your bike way over, almost touching the pegs, dragging the knee. Probably shouldn't be that aggressive on a public road. But my point is the bike doesn't fall down. You don't even feel like it's going to fall down. But if you try turning quite a sharp turn at very slow speeds, three, five miles an hour, eight kilometers an hour. Then when you tip the bike over to take the corner, it does feel like balance is more of an issue. And we should be aware that a motorcycle cannot turn unless it is leaned in the direction that it wants to go, the right or left. So If we're very slow speeds and we're starting to lean, the tighter the turn, the more we have to lean over. 
So if we're on pavement, momentum is your friend. If you try to really slow down or stop with your feet up in the middle of that tight turn, the bike probably falls over. Smooth momentum, not jerky from inadvertent throttle on and off or clutch in and out. It has to be smooth to avoid tipping over in turns. Now, once we add the component of traction challenges that off-road gives us, let's use the analogy of loose gravel. You're doing the same geometry of a turn that you've done a hundred times on the pavement without a problem. Now you start that right-hand turn, you lean the bike over, your speed's smooth, you're sitting properly on the bike, but now as the front wheel gets into the turn, it starts to slide out to the left because of the traction. The physics that's happening is you're putting energy down onto the contact patch when you're turning, but now it's loose terrain, so it slides out to the left. The only way to counter that happening is to anticipate it before you get to the tight turn. And hang off the bike so your butt's completely off the seat if you're sitting down. Your right foot is completely off the foot peg so you can get more body mass over onto the left side of the bike. And that will counteract the front tire sliding out to the left. Mm. That's the only way to do that tight, tight turn. Unless I have seen aggressive riders when they feel the bike's about to drop onto the right side of the bike when they're doing that aggressive off-road turn to the right, they will drop the throttle and give it a shot of throttle. And what happens sorry, they, is... Sorry, hang on, you said drop the throttle and give it a shot of throttle. I dropped the clutch, sorry. Right. The odd time, Jim, I'm going to make a mistake on purpose to see if you're actually listening. No, it's good. I just woke this. up at that part. <laughs> but drop the clutch and because the bike is already leaned over the rear wheel is on kind of the edge of the tire it's not flat because it's on a bit of the sidewall it'll break loose far easier than if it was straight up and down flat on the ground so the clutch release and throttle input will allow you to drift the back wheel to the left which makes the right-hand turn a lot easier. The next one that we have on our list there was stalling that we talked about um, just a minute ago was stalling. And that's, I mean, we talk about this all the time, Clinton, the, the, the clutch thing, I know. Uh, it's such a fundamental thing, but that's what you have to do, isn't it? To, to prevent stalling. It's all about the clutch. Yeah, I think that'll be on my tombstone. This is the guy that would shut up about the clutch. <laughs> about slipping clutch. Or they're all going to get into stuff like the Africa Twins and you'll just have no place anymore. Yeah, uh, electric bikes or DCTs. Yeah, electric, they take, yeah, it's coming. Yep. I rode one for half a day in the summer. And pretty remarkable. But that is a big issue with people. When you slow down, bike gets chuggy if they pull the clutch in too far you lose your momentum the bike falls down if you leave the clutch out too long the bike chugs stalls falls down so there's a happy medium to practice 
What we suggest is riding straight first. Move off like normal. Clutch all the way out, 10, 15, 20 kilometers an hour. Then start slowing down. With a combination of less throttle and less power going to the back wheel by slipping the clutch in with two fingers. Now your speed drops. The bike will get a little more wobbly, a little harder to keep upright. So what we do is you try to coast a little ways. Slip the clutch back in with the throttle just above idle until the power is gone from the back wheel and you're coasting. And this is easy to do on flat ground. Maybe it's just for a few yards. Then when you feel the bike is wobbling, it's going to stall out. Add a little throttle, slip the clutch out just a little bit to maintain power momentum. And if you get comfortable doing this, almost stop by not having the clutch out. Then just before you want to put a foot down, slip the clutch back out. The more practiced you get at that, the less chance you have of stalling and falling. Mm-hmm. And of course, once you master that, it makes the getting into the corner and thinking about balance and, and, and traction and where you're going, it makes it much easier because you no longer have to concentrate on your left hand and what your clutch is doing. You're doing it automatically. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. I think any of these skills we talk about on rider skills is the more you do it, the more innate the skill becomes, the more rote. Like listeners shifting gears, half of us have gone to gear seven and we only have a six speed because mm-hmm. we're not counting what gear we're in. It's just a motion. We're not thinking kind of mathematically like we did when we first learned how to ride. Okay, uh, clutch in, gas off, uh, shift up. And then clutch out, gas back on. After you've ridden for a bit, that becomes rote. It becomes muscle memory. And your ear tells you, or, or a tachometer glance tells you, okay, I should shift now. And you just do it without really thinking about the processes. Mm-hmm. And that's our goal in any kind of riding is to reach that point of where the body and the brain are taking care of it kind of subconsciously Uh, balance is definitely one of those things that you don't really have to consciously think of balancing once you get it slipping was another one um, and i know this is probably a little bit difficult but i mean are, are there ways to to at least mitigate the slip fall yes clutch i come back to it all the time um because if you're Chugging through, let's say it's mud that's caused you to slip. Let's talk about momentum slipping first. It's from you're going forward without a brake on. And all of a sudden, the back wheel goes drifting out sharply to the left. The back wheel has lost traction in the mud. If you're not holding two fingers onto the clutch, Clutch pulling in at that point is recovery. One of our instructors, Pez, is his nickname because his last name is Pez Dirts. But Michael's his real name, but nobody knows that. Anyway, Pez is always saying, 
The throttle will get you into trouble and the clutch will get you out. Ride with two fingers on the clutch. So when the back wheel slips out, take the power away. Slip the clutch in, regain your steering and control, breathe, let the clutch back out. You don't even have to put a foot down. But most people slip and then fall because the clutch is all the way out and your left hand is around the left grip tightly. Well, when the bike starts to slip out and you hear the scream in voice in your own helmet, it's extremely hard to let go of the left grip when panicked to reach for the clutch. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's really hard to let go. <laughs> and once you get the hang of this, it works almost like traction control. Traction control reduces engine power when the drive wheel starts to spin. And that's kind of what you're doing. The wheel starts to spin. The rider who's in tune will feel it instantly and pull that clutch in, regain control, and then let the clutch back out again so fast that when you're watching it, you'd hardly notice it at all. No, exactly. But I see so many people, um, I'm riding at the back, they go through mud, and then I see a headlight coming towards me. <laughs> They've done a 180 turn. And they didn't even crash sometimes, which is remarkable. Uh, that's another reason I don't follow people closely into puddles and mud. Stand back. Let your friend go first. Watch how they do. Uh, but clutch control and being ready to pull it in further to take power away is a big way of surviving the slip of traction and preventing the fall. The counter of that is when they overbrake with either the front or the rear, and that causes the lack of traction. That's kind of a slip fall as well. The rear brake is recoverable. If you lock up the rear wheel inadvertently and it's sliding, that's usually recoverable by pointing your headlight and your handlebars where you want to go. doesn't matter if the back end drifts right or left. We all did it in our mom's car in a snowy parking lot. Well, if you're from Canada. Um, if the front wheel goes out, you have far less time to recover. You can get off the front brake and hope that it's going to regain traction. So what tire you have on has a big impact on that. But boy, that's a hard recovery if the front wheel washes out on you, that's hard not to crash. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have to work before that and be more mindful of what you have coming ahead. Yes, exactly. And, and there it gets back to head eyes up. Watch what the other riders are doing. Oh, wow. I just saw that guy lose traction. Alarm bells should go off and you're now more aware uh, little things like watching the color of the soil in front of you. You know, it's a brown kind of bit of grass on the edge of the trail. Then you see black. Hello, <laughs> it's mud. You're probably going to have a slip fall in there if you don't adjust your speed. Stand up and pick a proper line. And I guess you're paying attention for things like ridges or roots or things like that, in particular if you're changing direction. Yes, um, that messes up a lot of people. The turn looks smooth, but underneath leaves 
you know, just before we shut our course down, we reminded the staff and the students, please slow down on the corners, folks, because there's erosion on a trail that's been there for years because of use, walking, horseback, ATVs, dirt bikes, whatever. It takes the top layer of the soil off. And if you're in a forest, there's a lot of roots that are now covered up by leaves. So that's the most prevalent time I've seen of people dropping a bike is when the obstacles, the roots are covered by debris, leaves. Mm-hmm. So I think people should drop their speeds. So when you hit the route, it's more likely that you're going to be able to get over it or handle the bump if you're not going really fast and cover the clutch so you can take the power away when it slips out. But balance is a big part of that because if you are turning to the right and the front wheel starts to slide out a little, you've got to get your body out over the left side of the bike to kind of counteract it wanting to drop to the right. It's, it's a, we call it a, a V often. If your motorcycle, if you're holding your two arms straight up, pretend your bike is the right arm and now lean it away from your elbows. The elbows are together. That's the bottom of the V. Lean the bike over to the right. You have to move your left arm, which is your body on the motorcycle, to the left on soft terrain. And that counteracts the bike wanting to drop. Counterbalance, we call it. Mm-hmm. One of the other things I find, Jim, is it depends on the bike I'm on, uh, or I see it when people get a new bike to them, where the clutch engages, how quickly it revs up in RPM with a little bit of throttle, kind of the personality of the bike, if you will. Mm-hmm. That takes some time to adjust to and get to learn. Right. So I just I got on this, uh, I think I was telling you, or you saw it on Facebook, I bought a 1989 BMW, a Bumblebee. It's a 1,000cc twin. I'm not sure how many horsepower it has, but not what I'm used to riding of late. Um, You know, I, I rode a 1250 on three big tours this past summer, and I love this Bumblebee, but I went out went to go over some logs and, you know, give it a little shot. And I didn't quite get the same horsepower response (laughs) (laughs) and dropped the bike. I've been on it for five five minutes and a co-instructor said, "Uh, what are you doing? (laughs) And it was just so, I hadn't taken time to acclimatize and kind of get used to, okay, I need a little more shot of throttle on this bike. And I think the horsepower of this new to me 1980 bike, it's there. It'll do anything I want, but you got to give it a little more notice. Right. Uh, Everything happens a little slower with it. Yes, exactly. But really fun. Okay. So you you said um, balance, clutch, eyes up and peg weighting. Was there something else I missed in there? No, that's, that's the four main ones. So balance clutch, eyes, and peg weighting. But what do you have set up for homework? How do we practice this? Yeah, um, you don't even need the bike to begin with. 
to prove to yourself eyes up works, you know, maybe the edge of your carpet, anything, or in the garage, just have a strip of wood. Try walking along a two by four, looking down at your toes. It's really hard to do. Head up really helps. Imagine a a tightrope walker crossing Niagara Falls on a wire. Their arms are out. They usually have a great big pole that extends the length of their arms, if you will. And if they start to fall to the right, don't they move their left arm down? That counterbalance? Mm -hmm. And that really helps. So when we're standing up, peg steering is unbelievably helpful. So if you just walk along with your arms out, that helps you balance. And that's analogous to being on the bike with your toes on the pegs, peg weighting. But the eyes are really important. Then when you get on your bike, try some straight line, slow speed riding. So move off like normal. As I was saying, get up, you know, 15 kilometers an hour, 10 miles an hour. Then try going as slow as you can in a straight line by slipping the clutch. Don't put a brake on. Just the power reduction of slipping the clutch will slow your bike down. See how slow you can go in a straight line. Hey, if you want to prove it to yourself, do it sitting down and then do it standing up. If the configuration of your bike allows standing up. Sometimes with a cruiser bike, our feet are very forward on the chassis. They're not straight down underneath us. And that's a hard bike to stand up on because you're really pulling on your arms. Mm -hmm. But if you have more of a conventional motorcycle, ergonomics of an adventure bike, it's way better standing. But try both ways. Then you can even do this, be careful in traffic, but try riding two feet exactly from the center line. Don't ride on the center line. That may be frowned upon by the police. I was listening to this radio show, this gym guy told me, ride the center line. But um, at slower speeds, approaching a stop sign, how straight can you go at slow speeds? And then once you've got a grasp of being able to slip the clutch, control the speed of the bike, eyes are up, Try some circles at slow speeds. When the bike, if you do a really tight circle, when the bike feels like it's going to drop to the inside, so if you're turning right, it's going to drop to the right, let the clutch out. Open up the steering. Straighten up the steering. That stands the bike up. You don't have to crash. But it's learning how to balance a slow-moving bicycle or motorcycle while you're on it and the secret is really practice so once you've done straight line move into circles then we have people do big figure eights because most of us feel more comfortable turning one direction than the other Mm -hmm. Uh, turning left seems to be the most people find easier than turning slow speed to the right. 
it might be because your throttle's almost in your stomach when you're turning to the right. Or maybe it's we always went left at the roller skating rink or hockey rink. I don't know. But um, practice the way that you're good at to make you feel better. But to become a better rider, practice what you're not good at, the other direction. Mm. And then we just build from there. You've got to burn some gasoline, though, practicing this. Uh, You can't read a book, watch a video, listen to you and I, and improve on it. Mm -hmm. You've got to get out there and ride. Balance, clutch, eyes, and peg weighting. That's the the problem we have when we fall over. That's the reason we're falling over is because we haven't mastered these skills. So the trick is is to go out and work on these skills. And what about the walk-around balance that I was talking about? Do do you you subscribe to that? Absolutely. We do it at the start of every course. And another thing we do that really helps people get rid of their intimidation of being at a rider training school. Imagine there's 30, 40 people coming that day. We can't get dressed all at once, especially during COVID. It was very tough to get people dressed because we were keeping proximity, distance, etc. But we need some time filler What does the person do waiting 15 minutes, fully dressed up in motocross gear or adventure bike gear, waiting for the other people? So what we do, rather than Clinton just tell dumb stories, what's better is we bring out two trials bikes. So there's no seat on them. We dig a little hole underneath the front tire by wiggling the bars back and forth. And then we ask people to get on. And the only coaching we do is say, stand on your toes on the pegs. You can't sit down. There's no seat. Turn the handlebars full lock to the left. Now, hold the suspension from wiggling up and down by locking your front brake on with one finger. That actually helps. And believe it or not, the dirt in the sidewall of the little hole you dug helps support the front wheel. And if they look up at a sign we have on the fence, they can balance. I don't care if they've never been on a motorcycle before in their life. We'll have absolute novices and experienced riders balancing, no foot, no kickstand, no foot down. And they're standing up, they're balancing. And what we tell them is if you feel the bike is going to wobble and maybe tip to the right, we want you to put a little bit of weight pressure on your left toe. Very subtle, very gentle. And it's amazing to see beginners or experienced riders be able to balance because they haven't been able to do that on their bike if they already ride. And what it does is sets them up with a real positive experience. They feel great about their ability to do something. Holy crap, I can hold a bike up without my feet on the ground or a kickstand. Then that transfers into lesson number three if you're a beginner riding standing up. We teach you how to steer the motorcycle with your boots, not your hands. Mm -hmm. And they've already done it. We're just adding motion to this. So that's something Um, That's very hard to do on your concrete driveway with a big, heavy motorcycle. Stand up 
um, and don't put a foot down. Um, so what I practice is I get on the bike, kickstands up. I am standing as tall as I can with my left toe on the ground. My right foot is on the peg. The bike's at full locked and I lift the left toe for a couple of seconds and see if I can balance. And if I'm in dirt with making that little hole I was discussing, I can do it on a 1250 BMW, any big bike. But on pavement or concrete, I can't do it still. I've been trying, but I, I'm still there. I'm still working on it. When you say full lock, you're, you're talking full left lock. Yeah. Uh, left seems to be better because your front brake is away from you. And then my goal is to be able to stand up in the shop on the concrete floor and balance. I can do it for two or three seconds, but I just can't hold it longer than that. Mm. Some people can, but uh, it's not me yet. So it's a never ending um, practice thing. I mean, you're learning still. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think as soon as you think you're a good enough motorcycle rider, it's time to hang your helmet up. Mm -hmm. Because uh, a lot of people crash, especially um, traffic riders, street bike riders, they get a little complacent about their skill acquisition. I've been riding for X number of years, so many miles. I've had six bikes. That doesn't mean you're invincible to crashing. Mm -hmm. or having troubles in traffic. So I think a healthier attitude for survival is always listening, reading, taking courses, and trying to become better. So my point is, you're never going to achieve higher success without practice mm -hmm. as a motorcyclist. And, and I love what you always say is practice what you're not good at. Don't go and do those things that you're, I mean, like, you talked about turning and how we all have this one way that we're going to turn easier, right or left. And you got to practice what, you, what you're not good at. That makes perfect sense. And, it's, and as age, you know, creeps up on, on some of us, <laughs> all of us at one yes. point, you're going to have to work harder at it. You're going to have to go out and, and do these things, practice these basics. And what we're talking about here, balance, clutch, eyes, and peg weighting. Yes. That, that makes perfect Absolutely. sense. And we can do it. You know, you don't have to go out to a forest to do it. Any little field, parking lot that you're allowed to be in, slow speed control is a really, it doesn't bother people. Like if you're practicing motocross jumps at the local golf course, you're going to get in trouble. But um, as long as you're not bothering anyone, slow speed is the most Unobtrude, it's not going to bother anyone else. Mm -hmm. So I'm always conscious of that is, you know, I want to practice power turns. I don't go out in the forest where there's people walking their dog, hikers, because you're just going to make everybody hate motorcyclists. Yeah. But this, this one's not going to bother anybody. And, and I was thinking that as you were saying that about even about balance, about balancing the bike and you were talking about balancing in the shop. That's something if anybody lives in a, well, a lot of us live in an area where you can't ride in the wintertime, you can still improve your skills and get ready for next year by going in and doing the balance walk around or doing the balance of getting up on the bike, just stationary like you were talking about. You can still do that stuff in the wintertime. So it's, it's kind of a nice way to not have your skills slide away from you. Yes. Um, I've always kept a little dirt bike 
uh, sometimes a trials bike or just a small bike, like a TTR 125, and I'll take it out in the snow and in the ice and try to keep my feet up. Um, we talked a lot about slipping. So traction uh, is next to nothing. But if you could go for a little spin on your snowy driveway without crashing, that's why I use a little dirt bike in case it does happen. I can pick it up easier and there's no damage. I'm not going to get hurt. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'll practice some brake slides a little and um, maneuvering on snow and ice. And that really fine-tunes your skill set. So by the time I'm out in good weather, um, I'm not as rusty as I would normally be. Mm -hmm. Well, Clinton, that was great. Thank you very much. Uh, that was a lot of fun. And uh, it gives us something, some things that we can do in the wintertime for those of us who can't ride. Exactly. Enjoy your snowmobiling. Yes, thanks, Jim. We'll talk to you soon. That's it. Four key points, along with some easy things you can do to improve your slow speed maneuvering and reduce the number of times you have to pick up your motorcycle. The key points were balance, eyes up, clutch, and peg weighting. Now, remember what Clinton said, and I know this point, this point has been made many times on rider skills. Simply learning what you should do and how you should ride is only the first step. You got to get out there and put the time in, burn some fuel practicing those skills, and don't wait for the perfect time or the, the course that you've signed up for. Anything you can you can practice this stuff anytime you're out on the bike, anytime you find a little spot, you have a few minutes. Like Clinton says, don't practice what you're good at, practice what you aren't good at. I was speaking with Clinton Smout, Chief Instructor from Smart Adventures at their headquarters at the Horseshoe Resort in Ontario, Canada. Their website is smartadventures.ca. And of course, that link, along with some, some great photos for this episode, you, you want to see these photos, actually. Drop by the show notes for this episode at our website, adventureriderradio.com. You'll see the link there to Clinton's website, but also the photos that he has that, um, well, you'll see. I just want to remind you that this episode has been brought to you by Green Chili Adventure Gear, greenchiliadv.com, Motobreeze Chain Oiler at motobreeze.com, and Best Rest Products at cyclepump.com. And we'd really appreciate it if anytime you're dealing with these companies, anytime, email or otherwise, let them know you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. up another episode of Adventure Rider Radio and we sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did making it. Special thanks to our producer Elizabeth Martin and of course to you the listener thank you very much for being a part of it. You're why we do it. Now the show is built on a model of advertising and listener support so it's really important that if you know if you're getting something from the show and you you like what you're hearing please consider supporting. Consider becoming one of our patron supporters. Drop our website, adventureriderradio.com. Click on support. All the information's there. Anything $10 or more gets you an Adventure Rider Radio sticker. It shows you're a supporter. You can put on your toolbox, your motorcycle, wherever. And anything $50 or more gets you a shout out on our Raw show. Now, 
now that I mentioned Raw, I should mention to you that in case this is the first time you've heard this or you've just discovered Adventure Rider Radio and you haven't discovered Rob, which I'm really surprised because I've heard this before and I always thought that, you know, that would be a natural thing, but we have another show called ARR Raw. It comes out once a month. It's a roundtable talks about motorcycle travel and it's very popular. People really like it. Um, so anyway, drop by our website. It's all there, but really look at our, our support options there and consider it. At least consider it. I would really appreciate that. Anyway, time to get out there and ride your bike if you can. My name is Jim Martin. Thank you very much for listening and I'll talk to you next week. Hi, this is Charlie Borman and you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio.